All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Face Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. The 16-team Stanley Cup playoff field is set. This is the Daily Faceoff Show. It's Thursday, April 28th, the penultimate day of the NHL regular season. He is Mike McKenna, former NHL netminder. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing better today. My heart rate was through the roof last night watching Vegas and Dallas play. Uh, man, it just it's amazing, Frank. You can get right down to that last day, that last minute, that last second on the clock before... We're ever going to know who's in playoffs. I feel like we have a luxury right now that we know in advance. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, didn't have quite the same heart palpitations uh, in the sense that the math was still really overwhelming, even as the Arizona Coyotes were mounting a furious comeback last night against the Dallas Stars, erasing a three-goal deficit that all Dallas really needed to do was hang on to get to overtime, and it was all over. So in the end, Sort of a little bit anticlimactic, but still thrilling nonetheless. Let's throw through two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's start with that game last night. Got to be a pretty weird feeling, Mike, if you were in the Dallas Stars locker room post game because you did exactly what you set out to do in clinching a Stanley Cup playoff berth, yet in some ways you sort of backed into it, entering the third period with a pretty comfy and cushy three-goal lead, only to see it evaporate. And at the same exact time, almost simultaneously, I had the two games up on split screen last night. As the Vegas Golden Knights are losing their shootout to the Chicago Blackhawks and essentially doing themselves in, beating themselves, which made it a moot point 
that the Stars only, you know, needed one point. They got it right there with the Golden Knights losing one. So sort of a weird feeling for Dallas, though, who now enters uh, Friday night's game to close out their season with actually something to play for in terms of trying to avoid that second wild card spot, which would get them the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. How would you feel if you were in the Stars locker room, Mike? It's a weird feeling because generally when you clinch a playoff spot, it's a pretty joyful moment. Like teams I've been on, they've wheeled beers into the locker room. You're cracking a few. You're having a good time. You're you're all excited because a lot of times it takes a win to get that spot in the playoffs to clinch it. And that's not what occurred here at all. I mean, I Frank, I was the same way. I'm watching Vegas and Vegas's game against Chicago. And I'm watching Dallas run on. I'm watching the time run off of my phone. That's how I was doing it. I'm going, what's going on here? Vegas went 0 for 17 in their last three shootouts. Could not score. I couldn't believe it. And then Dallas, like you said, backing into it, you're, you know, you're up three nothing against Arizona, and you just had a great second period. And then Dallas just packed it in in the third. Man, like that's what I'd be more worried about was that they only had three shots on goal in the third period. They went down five on three at one point midway through. And sure enough, Barrett Hayton scores for Arizona to make it a 3-3 game. And then Dallas still had to kill penalties. And they had to work to get the game to overtime. So I don't know, man. I think it'd be pretty anticlimactic and you'd be kind of feeling a little bit of pressure in how you played if you were Dallas and really thinking, hey, this next game, we got to play well to go into playoffs with some momentum. Yeah, probably a little bit of relief as well, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, second night of back-to-backs, really emotional game on Wednesday against the Golden Knights, sort of put themselves in the exact position that they needed, 97 to 99% chance to get in. The math was clearly in their favor, and they probably got out to that lead thinking, okay, let's just, you know, we'll take our foot off the gas here and coast right. to the finish line. Uh, but if you're in Vegas... Mike, walking off after that shootout seemed to be a pretty dejected bunch. I guess what I was more surprised about, Mike, was sort of the reaction and lack of energy from the Golden Knights to convert on a lot of the chances. You mentioned 0 for 17 on shootouts. What about the number of opportunities that they had in three on three? Where was your Jack Eichel $10 million player to show up at the exact moment you needed him to? It seemed like his body language was off. A lot of things were missing from the Golden Knights over these last couple of yeah. weeks. I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, I'm not just Jack Eichel scoring, but his defensive play left a lot to be desired for the Golden Knights. And they looked tired uh, and they looked rudderless. You know, I, I, you can be hurt, but when you're flying in from an emotional game like Dallas and you have to win the next night, you got to find energy. And it just wasn't there. Vegas just did not have what they needed to, and they couldn't convert, man. You're playing Kevin Lankinen, who's had a tough year as well, and that for Chicago, and they couldn't make it happen. So it, was, it wasn't surprising, but it, I think it was just kind of a microcosm the entire VGK season. Yeah, I agree. There's going to be a lot to unpack with the Vegas Golden Knights over mm-hmm. the next days and weeks ahead. That end-of-season press conference, whenever it happens, is going to be interesting to see what kind of shakeups, if any, we see from the Vegas Golden Knights. I posted a story today on dailyfaceoff.com. 10 burning questions facing the NHL's 16 non-playoff teams. And number one on the list, will GM Kelly McCrimmon survive? It seems like a foregone conclusion at this point, given the friction that existed between Pete DeBoer and Kelly McCrimmon, at least played out over the last couple of weeks. If you're reading between the lines in the media, that Pete DeBoer is probably gone. Will Kelly McCrimmon follow him out the door with all the drama 
the near daily drama that we saw from the Golden Knights that had to be a distraction throughout the season. Let's move on to the, uh, we mentioned the Dallas Stars fighting for and what they have to play for on Friday night. The Nashville Predators have a lot to play for over these next couple nights as well. One game in hand over the Dallas Stars, which they will burn tonight. And their coach, John Hines, said today in a radio interview in Nashville that they don't have a clear update yet on UC Soros and his status. I reported, Mike, yesterday that there seems to be some real doubt as to whether or not Soros will be available at any point in round one, let alone for game one. We know already that he's going to miss the final two games of the regular season. They've called up Connor Ingram. And their coach, as I mentioned, John Hines, confirmed today that they will be splitting the games between Ingram and David Riddick to go down the stretch here these last two games. Important for both guys to get work, considering that UC Soros was someone that played the most games in the NHL this season at 67, saw the most rubber, made the most saves, uh, and a true Vezina caliber year for UC Soros. But not having him for the first round, which certainly seems like it's on the table, is a big blow to the Nashville Predators. Yeah, it's massive for the Predators. I don't think there's any way you can overstate that. And this is something of the risk that you run when your starting goalie plays as many games as UC Soros. And did he deserve to play all those games? Yeah, absolutely. He was phenomenal this year. He has been for several seasons for the Nashville Predators. But now you've got a situation where David Riddick comes in. He's only started 11 games this year, and his numbers aren't glowing. I mean, 883 save percentage, a couple blow-up games here and there. Realistically, it's been... Two and a half full seasons since I've seen the David Riddick that I would feel comfortable with in net for my team as a playoff goaltender. So where does it go from here? Does Connor Ingram legitimately have a chance to start for the Predators? I don't think that's out of the realm, man. Like he's played some decent NHL minutes for the NHL club. He's played a lot in the American League. At least he's been playing. So for Nashville, especially Frank, like they're going to face probably either Calgary or Colorado. And honestly, I don't think it matters which team you're going to play. They're both really good. Colorado's going to be healthy. And Nashville's played both those teams close. Four OT games between those two clubs this year in the games they've played. Nashville's going to need goaltending to beat either of them. They needed more than that, I thought. But now without Soros, it's going to be an uphill battle. But it's a big opportunity for either Riddick or Ingram to grab it and maybe give themselves a name in the NHL again. Yeah, no doubt. We mentioned um, what the Dallas Stars have to play for. The Soros injury may not just impact round one, may impact the seeding as we take a look quickly at the board uh, and what's at stake tonight in the NHL. These are the matchups. The only thing that can be decided tonight is the Tampa Bay Lightning can get locked in against the Toronto Maple Leafs there in that Atlantic Division 2-3 matchup. And if that happens, the magic number is two for the Tampa Bay Lightning, either a win in any fashion or two points, a regulation loss for the Boston Bruins would set that matchup. And then that would also crystallize the Carolina Hurricanes against the Boston Bruins in round one. Uh, The wild cards in both the East and the West, as we mentioned, are still up for grabs. The Oilers and Kings are locked in. The Blues and the Wild are locked in. And we'll talk to Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, who covers the Blues shortly. Home ice still to be determined in that series as well. So two two days to go out of 200 in the NHL regular season and still a lot on the line. Mike, one of the things that was sort of glossed over on Wednesday night was with the Arizona Coyotes' win over the Dell Stars in shocking fashion, 
that the Montreal Canadiens clinched 32nd and last place in the NHL, which also gives them, as you'll see here with this board, a 25.5% shot, the best odds for the number one overall pick in this July's draft, which is coincidentally being held at the Bell Center in Montreal. So a lot for Habs fans to cheer for. They have nine other picks in the in the first four rounds as well. And that also locked in the Arizona Coyotes in 31st place. So just below them, the top two teams in the draft lottery board are set. There's still a lot of movement that could take place over these next two days. Mike, if I were to tell you that 294 days ago, the Montreal Canadiens were playing in the Stanley Cup final, and now they're locked into 32nd place. And this big debate that we had before the season started about which team would finish last, either the Arizona Coyotes or the Buffalo Sabres, and the fact that neither one of them did, which one surprises you more? Well, I'm surprised that Montreal ended up in the basement, man. Like, I, I can't believe that that is what happened because the start of the year, I had Montreal picked as a playoff team. And I'll gladly eat crow on that one today. But I think there's just been a lot of things that happened in Montreal this year that, uh, one, I underestimated, and two, didn't plan out very well. You know, Shea Weber isn't able to play. So there's strike one. Carey Price ends up out of the lineup. But I think the big one for me was Philip Deneau not being in Montreal this year. They never really were able to fill that second line centerman role. Dvorak was okay. He didn't really have the same effect, especially in those top matchups against good teams that Deneau does so well in. So, you know, for Montreal, man, like, if they could end up picking first overall and grab Shane Wright, a big centerman that they could take to, potentially fill that role sooner rather than later. That'd be a huge pickup for them. But it was just a messy season in Montreal, Frank. I think all the COVID restrictions really bothered the players. There were times where they, I mean, they didn't even know if they were going to be able to continue playing in Canada at one point. So it just was a year that is forgetting Montreal. But I really like what uh, Jeff Gordon and Hughes have done to build the amount of draft picks that they have and put themselves in a good place to rebuild that team rather quickly, I think. Yeah, and one of the other questions on our list of 10 burning questions on dailyfaceoff.com today is what does the crystal ball hold for Carey Price? Quickly, Mike, give us your thoughts. Big summer for Carey Price working back from injury and some personal off-ice issues and four years left on his deal at $10.5 million. Boy, I hope that he's playing. I hope that he's happy and wherever that may be. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people and, and I've had some people say, oh, I don't know if he'll play again. I've had other people say, of course he's playing again. So I don't know how to read it. I think the simplest route is that he's back in Montreal. I think that trading that contract would be really difficult to do. Would there be takers at a lower cap hit? Yeah, I think so. But there's also a lot of health stuff. You know, what's his knee like? So I just hope that he's happy. And I hope he has the chance to play again if he wants to, because Carey Price is still one of the greatest talents in all of goaltending in the NHL. Yeah, and maybe the best path forward for the Montreal Canadiens to be competitive quickly is the simplest way, as you said, with Carey Price in net, if he can regain form with that health and wants to continue playing. Let's get to our down and out segment today. We've been focusing on the non-playoff teams over the last number of weeks, and it's perfect timing. We've got the Detroit Red Wings, just as Matt Larkin has dropped a 10,000-word bomb on dailyfaceoff.com, an oral history of the 1997 Detroit Red Wings Mike, you remember that team, I do at least from my childhood so well, uh, watching them and all this, the Hall of Famers that they had on the ice, the brawls with the Colorado Avalanche, 
Claude Lemieux, so many things to unpack there. So that story, oral history, Matt Larkin talked to almost all of the key players involved in that season as we hit 25 years later. Uh, great read on dailyfaceoff.com. But where are the Red Wings heading from here? They've gotten a fantastic season out of Moritz Sider, the likely Calder Trophy winner. Lucas Raymond, you see here, a 56-point campaign. Um, they've got a number of young players that have stepped forward. Alex Nedeljkovic had a pretty promising start to his season, has labored a bit down the stretch. What's the number one priority in your mind for the Red Wings moving forward? What do they need to get over the hump in the Atlantic? Well, I think they need to figure out their coaching situation first and foremost. And I, I like Jeff Blashill. I know he's been there for a long time. And at times this year, I thought, man, like this team's turned around. The young talent's playing well. He seems secure. But it sure seemed like the tide changed by two-thirds of the way through the season. Even the fans were calling for his ouster. I just wonder if they could use a new voice to go along with the young talent that's in the room in Detroit because Steve Eiserman wasn't happy with some of his players. And, Frank, they got a lot of players there that are going to be RFA or UFA either this summer or next summer. And we're talking big players like Larkin and Bertuzzi down the list. So there, there's a lot of mid-range players that aren't quite veterans yet that are going to have to be supplemented by all these draft picks that the Detroit Red Wings have. I mean, 31 picks in their last three years. Uh, well, one of the things I think Frank's going to be critical for them is to see if Simon Edvinson, who just signed big defenseman out of Sweden, 6'5", first-round draft pick, if he makes a team in Detroit and if he makes a big difference for that club next year. They need defensive help. Will it come from a 20-year-old? So um, I, I think they've got a lot of gaps to fill, and I think they're still two to three years away from really being a team that we're looking at to contend. Yeah, one of these summers, though, Mike, we're going to get Steve Eiserman. He's just going to come along and, boom, mash that button and say, it's go time. I agree yeah. in that they're not quite there yet, but it certainly seems like at some point uh, we're going to see that where that team sort of takes that next step. They've, they'll surround themselves with some better pieces. Edvinson, if he's able to take the same development path that Moritz Sider did, pretty exciting uh, time mm -hmm. to be a Detroit Red Wings fan. they got to cut down on goals against the minus 84 yeah. goal differential. That's not going to cut it in today's NHL. And, and even so, if you want to make strides, you know, you've still got maybe 30 points to go to get to where you really want to get to. Just biting off half of those this year and getting in that sort of 85-point range would be a big step forward for the Detroit Red Wings. As I mentioned, check out Matt Larkin's piece, Oral History on the 1997 Detroit Red Wings 25 years later, now up on dailyfaceoff.com. Let's get to this week's edition of the All-32. We're bringing in Jeremy Rutherford to talk blues from The Athletic. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff Show. What a setting here at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Uh, this is Jeremy Rutherford for the All 32, delivered by DoorDash. JR, the St. Louis Blues are in a dogfight for home ice advantage in their first round series with the Minnesota Wild. This is going to be a titanic matchup between two teams that have not lost very much down the stretch. What's been the key for the Blues over these last 25 games or so? Yeah, Frank and Mike, I think that uh, they realize what was at stake. It was just about three weeks ago they, they lost uh, to uh, Carolina 7-2, to and uh, they were in a fight here for second, third place in the Western Conference. 
Uh, could they slide down to a wild card? So they took one on the chin, 7-2 to the Hurricanes. And then after that, went on a 16-game pointless uh, point streak and 14-0-2 uh, and, and played just great hockey. So what's been the difference for them? I think they realized what they needed to do and came together as a team, played better hockey, more intensity, uh, a bigger sense of urgency, guys. And they're getting it from their depth uh, at, for up front, just a lot of depth. We've talked about it all season with the St. Louis Blues. They're now up to uh, eight players, 20 more goals, and on the verge of possibly getting a ninth one with Ryan O'Reilly. He just needs one more goal. So uh, that's been the story here in St. Louis, that depth up front, and it's shown during this 14-0-2 run before they lost to Colorado a couple days ago. JR, I have to right off the bat commend you on wearing that St. Louis Browns hat. We've bonded over <laughs> this previously, Frank. I think we're the only two people that actually know what that brown and orange hat is. Old minor, old uh, ball club that was in St. Louis uh, that my grandpa actually played in the minor leagues for. So I love seeing that. Um, you know, I wonder if Doug Armstrong could have envisioned having this type of depth at scoring throughout the year through line combinations, through the power play. Like, what's really driving this offensive outburst for the team, JR? Is it just chemistry or is there more to it? I think the biggest thing, and I talked to Doug Armstrong about that a couple of days ago. Hey, did you envision eight guys with 20 goals? His thing, Mike, all along has been, you know, we want to have a lot of really great players and pay them handsomely, but not necessarily superstars paying the 10 or $11 million a guy. And so I think this roster is exactly kind of how he drums it up. Now, the big thing here is how do you keep everybody happy? Everybody's going to want their piece. That's the job of Craig Bruby and the coaching staff. They've mixed up the line combinations. They've put guys in certain positions. There's so many guys who can score on this team that they've had guys who should be on the number one power play unit, not on either unit. You know, the power play has been in the top five all season. So to me, that's been the biggest challenge on paper. This is what the Blues had, but I think managing it uh, has been the biggest uh, probably challenge, I think, for Craig Bruby and his staff. But, you know, to the players' credit, guys, uh, they've really just looked at the bigger picture and, and wanted to contribute to this team and not worry about their numbers. And as a result, the numbers have come. Yeah, what a great board there. We were just looking at the St. Louis Blues, third in the league in goals for when you take out uh, shootout goals. And so to have that team be ahead of a team like the Colorado Avalanche, I'm not sure that we would have predicted that heading into the year. And one of the big reasons for that, JR, has been the bounce back campaign from Vladimir Tarasenko. I know you've written extensively about what he went through, but I actually filled out my Masterton Trophy ballot. Um, I'm willing to reveal that I had Vladimir Tarasenko at number one, and I had gotten some tweets from people. I didn't say it publicly, but they were looking at the list, responding to our announcement for the Masterton saying, hey, what did Tarasenko go through? He hasn't persevered through anything. Why don't you fill in some fans and what the last year has been like for number 91? Yeah, no doubt. Well, he had three shoulder surgeries on the same left shoulder, uh, in a span of 28 months and, uh, you know, just played about 14 games in the span of that two years. He went out to Colorado, had a third operation, that third operation on that shoulder uh, last year. This was the stabilizing surgery that just provides more stability to that shoulder. And look, Doug Armstrong, he gets the note, he gets the trade request from Tarasenko last summer. He, he does explore his options to see, are there any takers out there? There were no takers. Seattle passes up on him in the expansion draft. The Blues say, look, you're going to be here in St. Louis. We're going to hang on to you until we can find something suitable. Doug Armstrong never found it. So guess what they did? They put him in the lineup, and both parties have just treated the situation completely professionally, uh, both the Blues and Tarasenko, who's just gone out on the ice and played. And listen, I go back to an interview I did with the doctor 
uh, who did Tarasenko's third surgery, he said, look, I was around the guy. He's motivated. And I can tell you from my perspective, he's 100% healthy. Everybody still had doubts. What does he do? He goes out, scores 34 goals, 82 points. That's a career high in points. He's got a career high, 48 assists. This might be one of Vladimir Tarasenko's best season, even if you look past the points, just the way he's playing. Uh, so he has definitely uh, come back to that player that he was in the league a couple of years ago. And I, I agree with you, Frank. Uh, he probably will be number one on my ballot as well on that Masterton trophy. JR, simple one to finish here. Who's starting in goal for the St. Louis Blues the first game in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I can tell you, Mike, he's right behind me. Can you see him? I can. <laughs> I can just see that beautiful Browns hat. Fill us in. Yeah, no, you can't see around me anyway, right? It's uh, Both goalies are out there, but it's going to be uh, Billy Husso. Billy Husso deserves uh, to be the number one uh, game one starter uh, for the Blues. He's been the guy who's uh, stopped the pucks all season long, been mostly consistent. Just a little bit of a hiccup there for about a week or two, but uh, found his game again. And Mike, uh, he's been good. It, it's a different situation here in St. Louis. You have the starter, Jordan Bennington, the number one guy, $6 million a year, six-year deal. Billy Huso, the backup, making 750000 But Bennington opened the door with his inconsistent play. Huso stepped in, and he's been terrific. Uh, the way they've worked out the games the past uh, week, it's setting up for Huso to be the starter against Minnesota, which that series could begin next Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Jordan Bennington did get the start in Colorado. Some people thought because he had started a couple games here recently, were they setting up for Bennington to take over in that game? Uh, but no, it's going to be really here. So. JR, great background, great stuff as usual. That's Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. Be interesting to see over these next two days where you're starting next week. Is it in Minnesota? Is it home in St. Louis? Not a lot separating these two teams. I wouldn't be surprised to see either one go on a deep run in these playoffs. That's how well they've played over the last number of weeks. Going to be a Titanic matchup, and JR is going to be covering it all for The Athletic. Thanks so much. This has been the All-32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo code? there at the bottom of your screen, D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada, D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. Playoff action coming up next week over the weekend. Going to have some time to relax. You don't want to cook. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks, JR. All right, Mike, that brings us to our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag AskDFO. My question to you is pretty crowded field this year for the Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year Award, an award that we haven't talked all that much about. It's not voted on until later at some point during the conference final. So I feel like that's cheating in some ways a little bit for these GMs in the sense that pretty easy to pick some of the teams that have gotten to the conference final. Nonetheless, who would be your pick right now at the moment? I think it's Bill Zito in Florida, and that's the easy answer. It's the number one team in the league. But when you look where that club was even a couple of years ago, and they were rudderless. They were lost. They'd had Tom Rowe take over as GM. Things went sideways. And then it just was kind of stagnant. And I think Zito has done a great job of bringing in players that are on value contracts, that were hungry, and surrounding them with players that have been developed from within. It's a really good mixture there, and I like the chemistry and culture they've built. Um, but I also think it just... My runner-up, Frank, would be Brad Treliving in Calgary. I think he's really believed in who he had as a coach and built a team around that Daryl Sutter mold and continued to do more. Both of these guys continued to do more as the season went along and at the trade deadline. So I'd give it to Zito, but I think Treliving is right there as well. How about yourself? 
Yeah, I would have Zito in the number one spot. Tree Living is a great pick. Zito was my preseason. One of my bold predictions was that he would win GM of the year when things were all said and done. He had put a lot of those pieces in place in the offseason, then went out and added to it with Claude Giroux. And uh, you look at the back end and the changes that they made and the guys they targeted. Uh, certainly strengthened their team. Just wanted to give some love to some other GMs that have done a great job. Chris Drury from the New York Rangers in his mm -hmm. first year, that decision to hire Gerard Gallant and the changes that he made. Billy Guerin, uh, the huge decision to buy out Ryan, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. If I can get those names out, the dead cap money staring <laughs> them right in the face, the contract with Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, he's going to be well featured on my heart trophy ballot. A lot of smart decisions and courageous decisions made in Minnesota. And also Rob Blake is not going to get talked about a lot, but the steps that the Los Angeles Kings have made over these last two to three years to be in this playoff position, playing with house money a little bit, even in a year in which they don't have Drew Doughty and haven't had him on the ice for most of the year. Uh, lots of good work, lots of candidates. Those would be the guys that are, make my list. I think those are good. I would have had tipped as well to Garen, especially, and Drury for the work that he did at the deadline. I mean, big fingers crossed in New York that Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott can be in that lineup because they've been huge pickups for them. Yeah, and that Igor Shesterkin can stay upright. We see the impact with UC Soros uh, on what that mm -hmm. does for a team's chances. Let's get to Tyler Ramchuk for our daily face-off daily bet segment. Tyler, still in the black. How are you doing? Yeah, last night uh, ended up being okay for me. Nailed the Joe Pavelski assist, nailed the Vancouver, or sorry, the LA money line at minus 150 as well. So I'm eight and six in my last 14 bets, but all eight of those wins have been plus money payout. So it's a big reason why, as you can see at the bottom, I'm up 9.96 units on the season, looking to push that over 10 before the end of the regular season tomorrow. So let's get into the action tonight, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada, starting with the Boston Bruins on the puck line, minus 121. Not a great price for the puck line usually, but I just really like this matchup for Boston. One, they still got something to play for. Two, they're going up against Dustin Tokarski, who's averaging four goals against over his last five starts. Linus Ulmark is expected to go for Boston. He's been one of the best goalies in the NHL so far this month. He has a 937 save percentage in his last six starts. Like I said, Bruins have a lot to play for. They've won three in a row. I think they can cover the puck line on home ice tonight. And I'm double dipping on this matchup a little bit and taking the Patrice Bergeron assist at plus 130. Top line center gets top line power play minutes. They should score four more goals tonight, considering Tokarski's history in this matchup. And plus 130 is a great payout for a guy who has assists in back to back games as well. And to wrap things up, I got one more play and it's in the Nashville, Colorado matchup. UC Saros is out. You guys have talked about it a lot. You can see the line's now been suspended on this game. But when I got in on the puck line earlier today, it was paying plus 100. That line over the last half an hour really started to shift towards Colorado. And I think when it opens back up, you might see that puck line back around minus 120. Either way, I think the Avs can cover it tonight. David Riddick didn't look great against the Calgary Flames. Excuse my voice crack. And I think the Avs can cover the puck line. I need a glass of water, so I will dip out, Frank. Yeah, I actually hammered with a late decision play the over in the Dallas Stars Arizona Coyotes game. As soon as I saw that Harry Sateri was in net for the Yotes, man, he actually ended up playing pretty well in the second half of the game. That is not how I expected to hit the over six. 
But nonetheless, uh, I will take the win as will Tyler. Good job, Tyler. Uh, appreciate the voice crack as well. Puberty can be tough. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get to garbage time with Mike McKenna. Mike, uh, what's caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the National Hockey League? Oh, dude, uh, who cares about the National Hockey League? You just caught it just roasting Tyler, the poor guy, man. I'm in battle with cold, too. My voice is all messed up. When I go off screen, I've been wiping my nose. <laughs> so Tyler, tough one. Um, but you know what? What I'm actually looking at here is Pittsburgh. And I think the Penguins in this wild card race, uh, really with Washington, the Pittsburgh holds down third place right now in the Metro. Like, they're really teetering on the edge against Washington, who's got two games left. Pittsburgh only has one game left. and if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm thinking, man, I would much rather take my chances against the New York Rangers, who are a little dinged up right now, compared to dropping into that wild card slot and having to play the Florida Panthers right off the bat. Like, that's scary to me. So I, I, I think no matter what in the East, like these teams are all pretty good. But if you're the Penguins, you, you look at that Rangers matchup and think, okay, this is pretty attainable. Florida, yeah, we think we can beat them too, but they're clobbering people. So, Frank, I think that this next game for Pittsburgh is really important. They're going against the Blue Jackets at home tomorrow night. Casey DeSmith still looking to you know, try to keep, get his game to grow into being a starter in the playoffs, and he might be the difference. So I think Pittsburgh's definitely got plenty of motivation to come out hot tomorrow night. Yeah, the Pens are just absolutely limping, or should I say waddling, into the playoffs. Um, they have really been struggling here over the last little bit. And uh, it's not just the goaltending injury. I think there's also been some other factors in play. They just haven't looked right. And, mm-hmm. man, it feels like that could be a really quick out against the Florida Panthers with the juggernaut that they've been. So, uh, man, we talked about it. Lots to keep an eye on here over the next 48 hours to Days remain out of 200 in the NHL regular season, and we're here for it. We'll be back here for the final one tomorrow. That's all the time we have today for the Daily Faceoff Show. As I mentioned, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Subscribe on YouTube. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com, and we'll talk to you then. Till then, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. (laughs) 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.